Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we break down what happened in some of the conference tournaments that we spoke about last episode. Then, we dive headfirst into March. It is tournament time, and we go bracket by bracket, game by game, and break down everything there is to know for the NCAA bracket. Then, we look at the women's bracket as well, and we talk about some key matchups and key contenders there. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scarce, and as always, Thomas Woods is my wonderful co-host. Thomas, how are you doing today, bud? Pretty good. Um, I've been busy recently. I got a busy week coming up, so I've been trying to get prepared for that. Um, last week was a good week. Pretty relaxing. Um, got to watch a lot of good basketball. So no complaints from me there. And then um, can't be any more excited than I am right now for the upcoming week. Yeah, I got to agree. Um, I was on spring break. Enjoyed that. Got some time off to recoup and recover. I know we talked about that just a minute ago off the air about how I mean, spring break could not come at a better time if it was, you know, up to me just because, I mean, I don't know about you, but those last couple of days right before spring break are just, um, they are just brutal. So definitely glad that yeah, that happened. That's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> yeah. You're coming up. You're coming up. You got another week. You can hang in there. You got it. Yep. <laughs> um, listen, Thomas, we had a pretty exciting week in college basketball from top to bottom from mid-major to even the tippity-top of college basketball, we had some great games. We're going to start in the ACC, though. Duke beat Virginia 59-49 to to win the ACC tournament, a Duke Blue Devils team that, fun fact, trailed in the ACC tournament, the entire ACC tournament, for a total of 4 minutes and 32 seconds. Their largest deficit was 2 points. I mean, this was a Duke Blue Devils team that dominated the ACC tournament. Yeah, I feel like I had a really good read on this one coming into it. Um, I'll say the women's conference tournaments, you did a lot better than I did. But um, I feel like the men's, I had a pretty good read all around the country. It seemed like um, most of my teams were either winning the final, in the final, or lost in the semifinal. So I felt pretty good about that. And um, Duke was, in my opinion, the heavy favorite going into this tournament. Uh, I did not care about the seeding very much with them being a four seed. They were the hottest team going in. Um, we mentioned earlier in the year that this Duke team – um, seemed like they just didn't have it all put together yet. Um, they were they were with, with the new coach and and um, young players that hadn't really played much together. Uh, they had a lot to put together, um, and they they've done that now. They look like the Duke basketball of old. Um, they dominated the ACC tournament, and I, and I was right about this one. And I and I can gladly take credit for it. <laughs> I will say you did pretty good. I ended up uh, just kind of thinking about that. Uh, late Saturday night as I was watching the Pac-12 game. And I was like, man, Thomas kicked my tail this week in, in the predictions. So credit to you where that's due. Um, You know, I think one thing that kind of stood out to me, I got to watch Duke play Pitt in their first, uh, their opening day game since they had the double bye. 
and they dominated Pitt. I mean, they won by 25 points, I think, something, some, something like that. And the thing that stood out to me was just how well they were playing as a team. You know, a lot of times when you get to tournament play, it, it takes uh, an individual, but the Duke Blue Devils will, were beating you all over the all over the floor. Um, obviously, Filipowski had an unreal tournament. Um, the guy was averaging 20 points in the tournament, so that's that's an unheard of stat. Um, he was playing like a man on a mission against Virginia. Um, the the Who's held him to no points in the first meeting, so you could tell uh, early in that one that 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 meant a little bit more to him than the other games. And you know, I think this is a Duke Blue Devil team now that we'll talk about a little later on. This might be the most dangerous team in the country. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I know as I was watching this tournament unfold, uh, I was really, really just rooting for them to lose. Um, I, I didn't think Clemson stood a chance at a championship in the ACC if Duke was still playing. Um, ended up not mattering. We got blown out by Virginia. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the obvious storyline here is just how dominant Duke was, how dominant they've been over the past few weeks. Uh, they they are one of the hottest teams in the country, and they're, they're hot at the perfect time. Um, I feel like, honestly, in this conference, the, the storylines kind of lie in other places, um, especially as we talk about some tournament teams. But um, Virginia is a team that really um, played well, way better than I expected. Um, they, they took care of business in games that I kind of doubted them, um, not even just in the Clemson game, but against UNC. I wasn't really sure how they do. Um, and then, I mean, they weren't going to beat Duke. Nobody was going to beat Duke in this tournament. So um, Virginia got really unlucky, I feel like, um, in this tournament. Yeah, I got to agree. This is a Virginia team that, you know, we've seen the inconsistency score in the basketball. You saw it in this game with Kihei Clark, um, just guys that struggle to shoot consistently. Um, however, when you think about Virginia, you think about how good they are at the defensive side of the game. And it showed. I mean, this was a, a Virginia team that held the Duke to 59 points that they had scored um, more than 70 points in both of their previous games. This is a Virginia team that has a very interesting first-round matchup against Furman. Um, once again, we're going to talk about that a little later on, so we won't spoil anything. But, I mean, that could be a, a potentially detrimental game for the Hoos just because of how well Furman plays on the offensive side of the ball. However, I, I think the ACC is in a good spot as far as who got into the tournament and who didn't. Obviously, there are some teams that probably should have been in that didn't get in and, and other teams that, um, you know, maybe uh, got in without being um, quite at the level they should be at. However, the, the the top of the ACC with Miami, Virginia, Duke, I think is going to be um, some deep tournament team runs that we see from, from those teams. I think that we're going to see um, some really good basketball played from those teams, and I would not be shocked to be talking about these teams for another month. Yeah, the ACC was a team, well, was a conference really that I, um, being a Clemson fan, even had some doubts about going into this month. Um, and I think really the teams that were at the top solidified their their seedings. Um, they they did a really good job in this tournament. I was really impressed um, with those top three teams, like you said, and I really kind of feel for Pitt. Um, they were one of the best teams in the conference all all year, and then. Just the way things happen at the end, they end up having to play Duke in the second round. They get blown out. Uh, like I said, nobody was beating Duke. Um, they might have had a better chance if they have been on the other side of the bracket. But, um, yeah, really, I, d I definitely agree with all you're saying there. Uh, a lot of teams really impressed me in this tournament. Yeah, it was definitely 
uh, good basketball being played by good teams at the right time. Um, but like we mentioned, Duke is your ACC tournament champion. Moving into the SEC, Alabama took care of business today in pretty dominating fashion over Texas A&M by a final score of 82 to 63. You know, I watched a lot of this game and the thing that stood out to me the most was just the sheer amount of offensive rebounds that Alabama got over Texas A&M. You know, it's normal to see a team like Alabama shoot so many times because they shoot so early on in the shot clock. However, it's unnormal to see so many offensive rebounds. I mean, I feel like at one point, I think they got five or six offensive rebounds in a row off of shots that were three-pointers, layups, mid-range jumpers. I mean, it was any kind of shot, and their big men were always around the, the rim. They were getting to the ball quickly. Alabama dominated everybody they played. Um, this is an Alabama team that is your number one overall seed in the tournament. They're going to be a, an absolute force to reckon with. For sure. Um, I, I think it's really funny how uh, we talked about that whole thing about they blow teams out after um, after losing a game. And uh, we were right. Mississippi State got, got absolutely slaughtered. Um, and, and they really just played well from there on out. Um, it kind of scares me, though, for them. Uh, that they haven't lost a game in, in a little while now. They've, it's been a little winning streak here, and so maybe they're due for a loss, but not really. This team is really good. Um, I really kind of – I picked them um, trying to avoid the next-gen curse for the Aggies, and uh, I guess I guess you were just the curse this week. Um, but, you know, B- Bama is a really good team, um, and they were extremely impressive. And then I think A&M, man, um, they kind of showed up um, midseason, and, and they haven't really looked back since – Sure, they lost this game by 19 points in the in the championship, but they had a great tournament themselves, and and they've definitely been playing really good basketball as of late. Yeah, I mean, this is these are two teams here that are going to cause some problems. And I I think especially Texas A and M being a seven seed. Um, I mean, the fact that they're a seven seed, first off, pretty ridiculous. Um, but second off, that they're going to upset people. And they're going to upset some pretty big seeds. I really would not be shocked if, if like we mentioned, for some of the top teams in the ACC, we were talking about Texas A&M and Alabama for another month. I mean, these are just two top-level teams that play basketball the right way. And, and they've got two very different styles of play. They've got two very different head coaches that that coach in different ways. But both of their teams are, are playing unbelievably. And the SEC as a whole, while I, I would argue that you know, there there might be some top-end talent in the SEC, but I think as a whole this year, we saw a lot of um, just all-around really good basketball from teams in the SEC. You've got teams like, you know, Kentucky that, that struggled early and came back and finished well. you got Missouri. You've got Vanderbilt, who um, I would say was probably a win away from being in the tournament. you got a team like Mississippi State, who was at the very bottom of the SEC in January and came roaring back to make a play-in game for the tournament. Um, this is just a this is a good basketball tournament. Um, this is a good basketball conference now, which if you're the rest of the country, you got to be careful because sometimes the SEC can just take things and take over. But this was a great tournament to watch. It was a very, very exciting tournament. Um, and I'm really excited to see how these teams do in the actual tournament now. Yeah, I think the biggest question mark for me looking at this, this conference tournament is how can Kentucky respond um, they were a one and done in this in this tournament, and that was something I didn't really expect. Um, I thought they were getting hot at the right time, and then now they've lost 
They lost to Vanderbilt, who was, you know, blazing hot. Vanderbilt was playing really good basketball. Um, but I really thought Kentucky had had more in the tank than they did. Um, and so, I don't know. The Kentucky's got some question marks for me. Um, Tennessee has some question marks for me. But, yeah, a lot of really good teams in this conference that I feel like just need to answer some questions uh, come tournament time. I got to agree. And I think it's funny you brought up Vanderbilt. I will say I may not have picked the actual winners very well, but I picked the uh, kind of dark horse teams pretty good um, just to pat myself on my own back. I, I think most of my other dark horse teams actually got to the semifinal, but I think Virginia Tech might have been my only team uh, that didn't make it very, very far. So that's just kind of a, a funny pat myself on the back moment there because uh, Lord knows you whooped my tail in the actual picking. I- I noticed that too. Don't worry. Uh, my <laughs> my dark horses like all lost really early. Like, I, I was mine. Mine were all terrible. So I guess it's just a give and take there. Yeah, I mean, listen, you got me in what actually mattered because you know I, I picked Baylor to win the Big Twelve and they lost to Iowa State. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I just couldn't get one right this week. Um, but Alabama is your SEC tournament champion. We're gonna move out west. Arizona upset UCLA to win the Pac twelve. This was a very back-and-forth game. Honestly, kind of a more low-scoring game than, than what we saw a couple weeks ago. But Arizona won 61-59. to UCLA had a couple chances there at the buzzer to tie it or take the lead, and they missed on, on numerous occasions. Yeah, this is a UCLA team that um, I, I really am confident that they would have won if it weren't for the injuries that they have right now. Um they're still a really good basketball team, but currently without um, Bona and without uh, Jalen Clark. And these are two guys that are kind of key contributors for this team. And so I'm kind of more impressed that they kept this game as close as they did. Um, I think Arizona and UCLA are both really good teams. I think this this year UCLA has been the better team. And um, for them to be able to compete at that, that high of a level uh, with one of the best teams in the country in Arizona without two of their key contributors – uh, really impressed me. Yeah, this is a UCLA team that, like you said, is riddled with injuries right now. They're going to be doing a lot this week in the training room, in the practice facility, just to get those guys as healthy as they can come tournament time um, for either Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure that um, which day they play, but it'll be either Thursday or Friday that they do play. Um, this is a UCLA team that was one one away from a number one overall seed, probably just because of the way things kind of shaped up for them. They were the number two team entering the weekend. Um, unfortunately, the loss to Arizona put them in a two seed. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's going to hurt them too much. Um, there were some number one seeds that I don't necessarily think should have been number one seeds, i.e. Houston. We can talk about that in a minute. But I think that this year, more so than in years past, there's a lot of debate in, in seeding. And we talked about it a minute ago off the air. But I, I think that this year is going to prove that sometimes seeding doesn't really matter. Because I think that we're going to have teams like UCLA, who are two seeds, that are actually probably the number one seed in their actual bracket. So, um, you know, both of these two teams of both UCLA and Arizona are two seeds. It's going to be interesting to see how they both digress and progress through the actual tournament and how they play in this tournament format. Um, but but this is this is going to be a very important year for the Pac-12. They didn't get as many teams into the tournament. I think if I remember right, they only got three 
in with Arizona, UCLA, and USC. So, you know, it's kind of a down year for Pac-12 basketball. Arizona State does have a play-in game. Um, okay. They're one of the 11 seats that has a play-in, um, which is actually what it's, I, I was about to talk about, actually, is how well they played down the stretch this season. Um, they did lose their last two regular season games, but in February they were one of the hottest teams in the Pac-12. They really kind of um, got themselves back into um, tournament talks by by beating Arizona. So um, this is a Arizona State team that I think either you or I, well, one of us picked it as a as our dark horse. Um, I believe it was you, right? You picked them as your dark horse. Was it Arizona State? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. There's no way I got it right. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, this is an Arizona State team that's been playing really good basketball. Um, you, you you were making the right pick there. And, um, unfortunately, they ran into their big brother, Arizona, I guess. But, um, yeah, Arizona State played really good basketball in this tournament. And so, you know, the top four um, – or not, sorry, not the top four. The, the top three and Arizona State uh, all made the tournament. And it is a down year for this conference, but I think the top-end talent is really there. Um, Arizona and UCLA are both teams that I could see making deep runs, hopefully for UCLA's sake. Um, and I hope this for every team in the country, they can get healthy, um, get those guys back that, that are available. Um, so yeah, the, it is a down year for the conference as a whole. Um, but for those top teams, they can still make a push and really we could see a, a champion out of, out of this, this conference. They're, they're that good. I got to agree. Um, you know, I, I think that first off, before we go anywhere else, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to Bill Walton call a Pac-12 game, it is just comedy hour on ESPN. It is the funniest off-the-wall broadcast you will ever hear. Um, I feel bad, honestly, feel bad for the guys who have to like be the head announcer because he's just constantly talking about this crazy, like, random nonsense things uh, they showed a graphic the other day about washington state who is an under 500 team and bill walton was sitting there trying to argue that they should be in the tournament and they had uh joe lenardi on the broadcast talking to him and i felt bad for the guy because he was like no like here's the reasons why and bill walton was like no they're in and i just so funny little kind of off note there so national treasure bill walton um this is i mean these are two teams, Arizona and UCLA, that I think could make the Final Four. I really do think that they're that good. Um, these are probably two of the best teams for their individual strengths, right? You think of UCLA, we think about how good they are defensively. And for Arizona, we think about how good they are offensively. So for each strength, they're one of the best teams in the country at it, Um if I had to say, I'd probably feel more confident in UCLA pro progressing through the tournament just because I think that that experience that they have um, in some veterans leaders in Hawkes and Campbell, that's going to be important for them going forward. But both of these teams are going to be uh, very, very tough outs for teams in the tournament. Either way, both of these teams are really, really good. And just to remind you, Arizona is your Pac-12 conference champion. Moving to the Big 12, Thomas, you got this one right too. Texas beats Kansas by a final score of 76 to 56. A Texas team that was on a mission all weekend long gets the double over Kansas in the last two weeks for a Big 12 conference championship. Thomas, this is a conference tournament that was that was off to a pretty poor start with the news of Bill Self. Um 
having that medical procedure. It was a heart attack, wasn't a heart attack, kind of up in the air. Nothing's confirmed on that. I will say, though, good news is he has been released from the hospital. He's back with the team. Um, I don't know what kind of fashion he'll be with the team in the next couple of weeks, but I would assume it's probably not going to be in a role that is as involved as it has been. Obviously, having a medical procedure like he had, um, you just can't dive right back in. However, Kansas played really, really well for a team without their head coach. Um, they, they really didn't look like they were going to skip a beat up until this Texas game. Yeah, I was really impressed with that, actually. Just um, similar to UCLA facing controversy, not not controversy, sorry, uh, facing some some tragic things going on at the wrong time in, in the conference tournament. Uh, I'm glad he's doing better for sure. And, and I'm really just impressed with how well they played um, without him. Uh, who, who's to say they couldn't have won that conference without uh, – if he's there, um, having your head coach is always a big deal. So, um, you know, I was right, but I, w- I wasn't right for the right reasons. I picked Texas because I thought they had the easiest path, and I thought Kansas might have a chance of losing. If I was choosing between Kansas and Texas, I would have picked Kansas like I did the first time. But it seems like this year Texas just has Kansas's number, especially recently. Um, so Texas is, is, I guess, since, you know, you, you and Matt went on and said that they were going to be your national champion. They kind of had a little slope for a while in their own direction. You lost faith in them, and now they're back. What happened? I mean, listen, I thought the next-gen curse had gotten to them. I really did. I I mean, I literally had sat there and said that they were probably my second favorite to win a national championship, and I just completely went away from them. But um, I almost don't want to go back to them for their sake of, of keep winning. Um, I mean, this is a Texas team that is playing really, really well right now. They've got guys who are just – playing out of their minds your boy Serge Abari Rice is one of them he's just playing really well he actually got the start in the the final in this game and had 17 points Marcus Carr and him as a duo is one of the best backcourts we've seen in a long time this is a Texas team now that you know I'm hesitant to say it just because I don't want to kill them but they are are a national champion contender now just because, you know, we questioned their defense. Well, what they do? They held Kansas to 56 points twice. Um, we, we said that maybe they can't score consistently. What did they do? They scored 76 points. So this is a Texas team that time and time again has just kind of stepped up to the plate and, and played really, really well. They really have. Um, and, and they did they did the whole thing where you just you let Jalen Wilson go crazy and nobody else can help you out. Um, Kansas – can't afford to ha- have that happen anymore this season. They want to go back to back this year. Um, I mean, Jalen Wilson had a great game, and then uh, the only other person in double digits was Joseph Yasufu. And um, you know, it just seems like Texas has Kansas's number. Kansas, I think, is still one of the best teams in the country. It's just Texas has them this year, um, especially recently. Uh, Texas, I feel like, has answered uh, the bell from after those few losses, as a lot of these teams in the, in the Big 12 have. Um, when you're going through a conference that's this difficult, you're going to lose a few games here and there. And so I think what, you know, we've talked all year about um, whether or not it benefit them or not to be playing so many good teams throughout this course of the season. And I've come to this conclusion now that the answer is yes. It's going to benefit them coming down the stretch here. Um, so many of these teams know how to react to a loss. Because, um, you know, I was, was kind of – I didn't think about it until – this week, really, but you know, in a conference tournament situation, um, everybody but one team comes out with a losing record. So, we're not losing record, sorry, but a losing streak, right? Everybody loses their last game in the conference tournament except for one. So, teams that know how to react to losses are going to be able to do better in, in the actual tournament. And this this conference is is full of teams that are in the tournament. 
And they're full of teams that know how to react to losses. They know how to bounce back from a loss and, and keep fighting. And so um, I think I've come to the conclusion that because they play so many good teams and they've, they've lost some some tough games, um, they know what it takes to, to bounce back from a loss. And I think that's going to put them in good, uh, good standing going down the stretch here. Yeah, I got to agree. You know, we said that when you're playing the best of the best, you end up getting better from it, right? You and I have played sports for a long time. Whenever you would play a better team, you try to raise your level of competition. Well, if you can set that as the standard, like I think a lot of these big 12 teams have, you're going to have a lot more success after doing so. So I think after a year of, of just grueling playing some of the best teams in the country day in, day out, these teams are going to be set up for a very deep run. Like you mentioned, the majority of the teams in the Big 12 make it. You got teams like Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, Iowa State, and West Virginia who make the tournament. This is a deep conference. This is a a really good conference. And there's a number of teams that you could pick to be not just Cinderella run teams, like maybe a TCU or Iowa State, but teams that I think have a legit shot at making the, the Final Four and potentially... A, a national championship. I mean, yeah, we'll get into it later, but I can look at this this conference and see four, maybe five teams that could genuinely make a Final Four run and could genuinely win a championship. Um, they're that good. This this whole conference is, is that loaded. And so this tournament, to me, um, really only meant something to the winner. I think everybody else in the tournament can take something and learn from it. They're going to be playing most likely an easier team than they face in this tournament in the actual tournament, which is just, it's kind of funny to think about, but I mean, their, their conference tournament is harder than the, than the uh, national tournament in my opinion. And so the teams that lost can take something from those games and, and not think too much of it. Um, and then for Texas, uh, a great win. They can definitely try to build off of moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I would not be shocked if all of these teams were, we're still playing in the next couple of weeks, even past the the Sweet 16 and maybe even the Elite Eight, just because I think that a lot of these teams are just that good. Um, I'd have to look at the actual bracket again and, and kind of give you teams that that will be real threats, and we'll do that a little later on. But um, I do know this. I know that Texas won the championship. I know that a lot of these teams are really good, and you guys need to watch out for some of these teams going forward. Moving into the Big Ten, Purdue coasted to a Big Ten championship. They faced Penn State, and I checked this score. I was actually watching a couple different uh, games at this point. I was watching the the Memphis-Houston game, and I'm, I'm looking at this game, and, and Purdue's up by about 15 points with a little bit left in the second half. I'm like, okay, listen, like they're gonna they got it locked up. I checked the score at the very end, and they won by two. Go back, check, see uh, Penn State go on this crazy run, come storming back, almost do get to uh, get to the Boilermakers in the end, but they hang on to win. Uh, this is a Purdue team now that has solidified a number one uh, seed in the tournament. It's a team that could potentially be one of the weaker number one seeds just because of their inconsistency scoring, but they won the Big Ten, so you can't knock them for too much. Yeah, Purdue team that's kind of been the best team in this conference all year. Um, no real surprise here. I mean, neither of us picked them, but um, I don't know. It It's not a surprise that they won. Uh, we picked them for, for kind of two different reasons. Uh, or we picked against them, I should say, for two different reasons. I picked Indiana 
um, because I thought Indiana had their number. I thought they, that Indiana would see them, but if they don't want a crazy run, you pick Northwestern because you really thought they were playing the best basketball right now. Um, and, and so I feel like we weren't wrong in saying that. Um, I think Purdue would just proved to be the – I won't even say they're the best team. I think they had the best player, and I think that's really what won them the, this tournament. I mean, in the in the conference championship, uh, Zach Eady puts up 30 points and – 13 rebounds on 12 of 17 shooting, uh, six or seven from the free throw line. I mean, he's he's impossible to guard for most teams. And so I really am still not sold on Purdue. Uh, congrats to them for the championship, and, and they, they deserve it. They played the best basketball in the, in the conference all year, but I really feel like they just rely too much on that one guy. Whenever he's not scoring the ball, they're not scoring the ball. So um, I still have my worries for Purdue, but, you know, on the other side, Penn State, man, out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, this is a Nittany Lions team that was, you know, maybe on the bubble, maybe not. They're, you know, depending on who you talk to, that you're going to get a different story. They're not in the bubble anymore because uh, they, they went on that crazy deep run there and they really set themselves up to be in the tournament coming off a hot streak. They're actually going to play uh, the Texas A&M Aggies in the first round excuse me, in the first round, and that's going to be a, a heck of a matchup. Those are two uh, really tough teams that play basketball the right way. So I think it's going to be exciting to watch and see how that matchup plays out. We're going to talk about them uh, and some matchups later on. But, I mean, this is a Big Ten that, you know, I, I kind of slept on all year. I'm still kind of sleeping on them. I'm not too sure I would pick many of these teams to go super deep in the tournament just because – I feel like all of them have just been so inconsistent all year long that I don't feel confident in any of them. Um, I know that when we we brought some of the boys from the Road to Madness podcast on, they they were saying that, um, you know, listen, these are these are teams that pretty much the home team wins every time, and, and so I think it's going to be important for some of these teams like Purdue, for example, to get some of these first couple games and, and get some wins under their belt just to kind of prove to themselves and the, and the rest of the country that they can win when they're not playing in, in their home arena. Definitely. Um, this was a conference that, I mean, I think like three or, or the fourth seed through like the eight seed had very similar records. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but they were all sitting around like seven losses in conference. Um, they were all kind of middle of the pack. Um, that middle group was really just like so, so similar to each other. So like the resumes were all very similar. And so, um, I was really just – I think from this conference, the main takeaways were um, just, just how well Penn State played and then um, how average the rest of it was. I, I'll be honest. Like, uh, Purdue did, did their thing. I'll give all, all credit to them. They did. They had a great tournament. They did their thing, got the, got the uh, tournament win. But uh, to, to win that tournament, Purdue beat uh, the nine-seed Rutgers, the 13-seed Ohio State, and the 10-seed Penn State. They didn't. They didn't play the good teams in the conference. Like, um, I mean, Penn State right now is one of the best teams in the conference, but they didn't play the the four or the two or the three. They didn't play anybody like that. They hadn't. This didn't prove anything for me for Penn for Purdue, but um, for Penn State, man, went through three tournament teams to get to the fourth one against Purdue and put up a, a really great fight. So Penn State um, for me is is more of a winner in this in this tournament. Not you know not for moral victories or anything, but like. You know, they, they say like winners or losers of the tournament. For me, the biggest winner in this tournament is Penn State. Um, and, and 
even though Purdue, you know, congrats to them and everything, but like Penn State's the winner <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to agree. This was a Purdue team that almost had nothing to lose. I mean, there were some analysts that were saying as long as Purdue won a game, they would be at least a two seed. So, okay, whatever, Purdue. Like, you did your thing. You, like you said, you, you didn't beat anybody impressive. If you had beaten, you know, Michigan State and then Indiana or, or even Northwestern, okay, like, listen, now I can't knock you. But now I'm sitting here and saying, well, you haven't played anybody again. So, you know, when when it comes time to play the four seed or the five seed or whoever you get in, in the tournament, I'm not going to pick you, right? I'm just be real honest. They're probably, for me, a, a Sweet 16 Elite Eight out. Um, I'm just not sold on them. I, I just don't think that they're consistent enough for me to feel comfortable picking them. With that being said, you can only play who you can play, right? You, you can't control that. That's not up to you. You just got to win the games. And so they've done that. They are your Big Ten tournament champion. Um, but like you said, just kind of underwhelmed with how the whole thing ended up playing out. Getting into our final conference champion of the day, Marquette took home the Big East Tournament Championship by beating Xavier 65-51. to Just a dominating performance from the Golden Eagles overall in this tournament. Yeah, outside of that St. John's game to start off the tournament, they kind of just looked like they were in control. I mean, they played some close games uh, against UConn, like a close game against UConn as well, but it, it felt like they were just kind of in control um, of that one, more so than the St. John's game. And, and you know, they they kind of just were the best team in the Big East this year. Um, the Big East is a really solid conference, and they've kind of just been that team for a while now. Um, and, and outside of them, I mean, just a lot of other good teams – uh, UConn had a solid tournament. I felt like they they were hot going into it, and they were able to go up against UConn or go up against Marquette. Sorry, and they only lost by a little bit. Xavier played really well throughout the uh, tournament as well. So, um, a, a lot of solid teams in this conference right now. I definitely agree. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how some of these teams fare in the actual tournament. Um, Marquette's a two seed. Xavier's a three seed. Um, I think UConn's a four seed. So you got a couple pretty high seeds in the actual tournament. So I think it's going to be um, interesting to see how these teams fare because, you know, in years past, we haven't seen too much out of Big East teams. Um, but, you know, when you think about the Big East, you think about all the championships that they've won. You, you think about UConn, you think about Syracuse back in the day, you think about um, um, a couple other just Cinderella runs that have have happened from other teams. I think they've pretty much always got a team in the Sweet 16, um, give or take a year or two just for inconsistencies. But this is going to be um, a big tournament for the Big East because I think they were in the national spotlight this year more than they have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't just one or two teams this year. I feel like Villanova is always that team that's just dominating this conference. And this year, Villanova was having a down year. So everybody else seemed to have a, have a higher, uh, better year. And um, I really... I feel like those top four teams, Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, and UConn, are all situated in a pretty good spot. And then I, I kind of feel for Providence. They've lost uh, four out of the last five now. They're not in a great spot. So hopefully they can um, you know, go back to their roots. They've lost a few games this year just because they're in a really good conference. They've lost some good teams already. So like I was talking about the Big 12 earlier, hopefully they can uh, use that those losses that they've had earlier in the year and, uh, and be able to bounce back. But, yeah, um, I feel like a lot of these teams – um, are hot. Obviously, I, I talked about earlier, you know, only one team can have a winning streak coming out of conference tournament. But um, I really feel like th three of these teams, Creighton, Xavier, and UConn, are all hot despite uh, losing their last game. And, and I feel like Marquette, um, man, I feel like they're getting slept on. Oh, I got to agree. There was uh, there was at one point there 
um, after they won their tournament that I was like, dude, this could be a number one seed team. And I was like, listen, they've got to have two teams in front of them lose. And they did. And that was UCLA and Houston. And still somehow Houston got a number one seed. Not really sure how. I, I, I don't know. But like I mentioned for the UCLA um, example, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm not, I can't tell you who the number one seed is in their side of the bracket. I'm not looking at it at this exact moment. I will say this, they might be the one seed in their bracket. Um, this, this is just a year where it's going to be, you know, different teams winning when we're not really used to seeing it just because I think the seeding is just so up for grabs this year. You've got teams that are four seeds, five seeds, they could be two seeds. Um, you look at a team like Duke, we just mentioned kind of off the air, they're a five seed, but they could be a three seed. So I think that it's interesting that that Marquette is slept on as much as they are without being slept on. You've got a coach in Shaka Smart who's going to be the coach of the year. And if he's not, well, then once again, slept on. So um, I think that this is a, a very good Marquette basketball team. And, and I think that you should expect them to make some noise in the tournament for sure. Yeah, I fully expect that from them. Um, you know, they were number six team in the country going into this tournament. Um, by the rankings, they are on a nine-game win streak. Um, I, I think that's one of the long. That's tied for the longest in, in the um, Power Six with Duke, and, and they were already one of the best teams in, in the in the country. They solidified that by rolling through their conference tournament. I I kind of expected them to be a one seed, um, and, and they just weren't. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly where I'll have them going in the tournament as of right now, but I, I do know. They're, they've been a really good team all year. They showed that again in this conference tournament, and I'm not um, expecting them to, to let up anytime soon. I definitely agree. I think that it's going to be a, a big year for some of these teams in the Big East. Marquette especially, they are your Big East conference champion. The moment you've all been waiting for is here, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to break down the brackets. Now, Thomas and I are going to go in the same order that they went to announce the brackets. So we will start with the South Regional, then we will go to the Midwest Regional, then the West, and then finally finish up in the East. So how this is going to work, we're just going to kind of name some games and, and then we're going to really kind of dive in and break it down. So in the the 116 matchup, Alabama is your number one overall seed. They will face either Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, or Southeast Missouri State. Southeast Missouri State making their first um, NCAA title or excuse me, NCAA tournament since 2000 um, that they are going to be very, very excited for that. They're going to be bringing their all against Corpus Christi in the eight, nine matchup. Maryland plays West Virginia, the five, 12 San Diego state and college of Charleston. The four 13 is Virginia versus Furman. The six 11 is Creighton NC state. The three 14 is Baylor and UC Santa Barbara. The 710 is Missouri and Utah State. And finally, Arizona Princeton is the 215 matchup. This bracket is riddled with interesting matchups. And I think the one that stands out to me first is the 512 matchup between San Diego State and the College of Charleston. You've got College of Charleston who's 31 and 3 on the year. They beat some big teams. That they've 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 played at the highest level so far this year. Every single year, there's a 12 beating a five. They might be my 12 to beat a five this year. Yeah, um, it, it almost feels too easy. Uh, this kind of reminds me of whenever 
John Morant and Murray State were the 12, and everybody just knew they were going to win. That's kind of how I feel here, and it, it scares me a little bit that I that everybody's so confident in that. You know, it, it's like it, you can't ever project who's going to be the Cinderella. If you if you try to pick who's, who it's going to be, you're almost always going to be wrong. Never works out. So for you. what I said, it never works out for you. No, yeah, exactly. It never works out for you, and so it. I look at Charleston, and they've been that team that I felt like could make that kind of run all year. Here they are in a matchup that, to me, seems favorable, and and I'm scared to pick them. I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I love College of Charleston. I've been to a, um, more of their games than Clemson, it feels like, honestly. Um, I, I've seen this team play a lot. I, I am very confident in their ability. They're a really good team. Um, and, and the thing is about this, this, this side of the bracket, for me, um, I, I can see the – 11, 12, and 13 getting that win. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. if all three of them did. They're all uh, pretty fav- – not favorable, but they're all in a good spot, in, in my opinion. Um, I'm talking about Charleston having the uh, a chance against San Diego State, Furman over Virginia, and NC State over Creighton. I, I really wouldn't be surprised by any of those games. And um, whenever I see that all in the same little area, it always scares me when I'm filling out my bracket. I got to agree. And I'll throw the 10 uh, Utah State beating Missouri in there as well. I mean, this is – we've mentioned it. This is a year where I don't think seeding is really going to matter all that much because I think that there are just really, really good teams throughout this entire bracket, and especially in this top quarter here in the South Regional. I'm really interested to see kind of how some of these teams back up tournament performances. Another matchup, that Virginia Furman matchup, we mentioned it. The way that Furman scores the basketball is electric. And the way that Virginia doesn't score the basketball is concerning. And, and so this is another another game at that 413 to where we I really would not be shocked if we had a 12-13 matchup in, in the second round, just because I, I really like the College of Charleston matchup. I really do. And I almost like the Furman matchup just as much, which is kind of crazy to say because they are playing a team like Virginia. It's so funny to me that you said that. That was my we haven't talked about the bracket at all. And no. that, that, that was my initial reaction when I saw the bracket. Uh, I was watching the show. I looked at those matchups and I went, wow, it could be a 12-13. And I wouldn't be surprised by it. Um, I think the key, uh, speaking of Furman, is for them to get an early lead. Um, we were just talking about it off air. Whenever Virginia has any kind of lead, it feels like they're up by 20. Um, they, they just, they're, they're so in control once they get just a little bit of a lead, four to, four to six points, and they, they feel like they've got the game uh, well in hand. Um, and so if, if Furman can get out to, you know, hit, hit a couple threes to start and don't let Virginia get comfortable, um, I think they can make a, a really good chance of beating this Virginia team um, and, and really seeing that 12-13 matchup um, as a, a South Carolina resident would be a great feeling. I definitely got to agree. We've talked about it before. We want the best for the state, and if that's College of Charleston and Furman, South Carolina, Clemson, doesn't really matter. I, I want it to do well. Um, I, I will say the, the fact that we're sitting here saying this, I feel like every time we talk about it, we're getting further and further away from it happening. So we're going to stop talking about it. We're not going to talk about it anymore. They, we're going to put that out there. There is a possibility of it. Um, I, I think the storyline in this one is the one and two in Alabama and Arizona. We talked about those teams as potential teams that could really go deep in this tournament. So, you know, let, let's, let's play devil's advocate and say they're on a crash course for each other. It's going to be 100 to 101 if they do get to that. You think about two teams that are at the absolute top of college basketball and scoring. These are two teams that are playing really, really well right now. Both of them have won their conference tournaments. 
So let's say that they get to an Elite Eight matchup. Who are you favoring? It's a great question. Um, I, I I love that potential matchup. I think both teams, um, Alabama more so than Arizona, have a favorable chance to getting there. I, I like Alabama. I mean, obviously, as a one seed, you always have a easier path. That's that's kind of the intention. Um, and I look at who they could, could potentially play, and I, I I like them a lot over a lot of these teams. And so, um, Bama and Arizona play so similarly, and. I, Man, it, it come down to Tubalus and uh, and Miller, who who can just have the better game. I feel like it just be going back and forth. That's one that I really actually would like love to see uh, in the Elite Eight. I'm kind of beating around the bush here, but I, I think I would probably lean towards Arizona. I think wow. they, I think they've played, they've played a team like UCLA uh-huh. and won the game in a defensive battle. Um. And I think of whenever Alabama matched up with Tennessee, that didn't happen so much. Whenever Alabama's had to be faced with um, teams that are more predicated on defense, they haven't fared as well. And I feel like Arizona has that ability. And so I think Arizona might be a little more prolific at, at, at scoring the ball and winning games whenever it's not just scoring the ball. So I think I would lean Arizona there. Um, and as I'm saying that, I might make Alabama my number one team to win the whole thing. So, I mean, it's it, it's complicated, but um, I think – Thinking about it right now, I think I would lean towards Arizona beating Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a great thought to to have that matchup in an elite eight, two teams that you could make an argument for Arizona as a number one seed as well. So I think that it's going to be impressive, regardless of who wins. It's going to be an impressive victory. It's going to warrant a spot in a Final Four. However, i got to disagree with you. I'd probably lean towards Alabama. Watching that game today, I mean, this is the hottest team in the country. I know what we've said, it's Duke. But this Duke might be the hottest team in the country. Alabama is the best team in the country. This is a high-powered offensive machine that Nate Oates has. This is a, a team that has a chip on their shoulder and has something to prove after the, the little bit of a skid they had. They didn't lose any games with the exception of the Texas A&M game, but they still had a skid. They still It still felt like, you know... I can't pick them. Like you mentioned, you were hesitant to really pick them in the SEC game only to pick them because you didn't want a next-gen curse for Texas A&M. So I think that this is an Alabama team that is the number one overall seed and feels like almost a um, an unwarranted amount of criticism on the, on the Crimson Tide. I think that they let that, that speak to them. I I think that they're going to let that fuel them. And I think that that's going to propel them. If they get to a game with Arizona, I think that that would be the best um, matchup. And I think that they would get the best of the Wildcats. Yeah, I get that. I get that take for sure. Um, We mentioned that some of the seating can be a little bit disputed. I think the one undisputed um, fact is that Bama is the best team in the country right now. They were well-deserving of that number one overall seed. And so, um, I definitely agree. They're the best team in the country as of right now. And um, I think I just, I like Arizona in that matchup. So not, not really knocking against Alabama, just the way I see things playing out. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there's necessarily a, a bad pick in that one. Either way, it's going to be a great game. This is the South regional Thomas. Let's name some dark horses. We're, we'll do one each regional. My dark horse in this regional I'm going to go with, gosh, I could pick three or four. I'm going to go with Utah State. Utah State is my dark horse. 
to not just beat Missouri, but maybe even an Arizona team in that second round. Um, I watched a little bit of their game on, on Saturday night, I think it was. And, and they looked like a, a very, very good basketball team. So I'm going to go with Utah State as my dark horse in this bracket. Yeah, I don't dislike that. Um, I think the pretty pick here is Charleston. And I, I'm not doing it. I'm not picking Charleston for, for for this this purpose of this podcast. William Alexander, don't kill me. Andrew <laughs> Alexander, don't kill me. I'm just – for this purpose, I'm not picking them. I'm cheering for them. I hope they win the whole thing. Um, but I'm not picking them right here. Um, I'm going to go NC State. I feel like people are underrating NC State. Um, Clemson has played that team multiple times. I've had the – privilege of watching that NC State team multiple times and I think um, they've been really good uh, I, I think they have a favorable kind of run if they can they can get past Creighton um, I, I look at who they'd have to play and I, I think they, they have the ability to beat uh, some of these teams and so I think NC State would be mine um, but like I said there's so many upsets in this side in this one quadrant of the bracket that you can go with really any team, and I wouldn't say that you're uh, too far off. So um, I think I'm going to roll NC State as my team that could kind of uh, make make a push here. Yeah, you're doing College of Charleston a favor too, because clearly when you pick dark horses, they don't end up doing well. So uh, uh, credit to you for not doing it. No, <laughs> NC State is a great team. They blew Virginia Tech out of the water the other night. They scored uh, 95 points to Virginia Tech 77. So uh, this is a team that can shoot the ball really well. They can play really, really good basketball. I will say they're just a little bit inconsistent, which is why they are at that 11 seed, but definitely a team that if they get hot, they can rattle off a couple games pretty quickly. We're going to move to the Midwest side of the bracket. Uh, excuse me, the bracket. Um, and just like last time, we'll we'll name some matchups for you guys, and then we'll kind of break it down. In the one six, you've got, or excuse me, the one sixteen, you've got Houston and Northern Kentucky. The eight nine is Iowa Auburn. The five twelve is Miami and Drake. The four thirteen is Indiana and Kent State. The six eleven is Iowa State, and the winner of Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. The 314 is Xavier and Kennesaw State. The 710 is Texas AM and Penn State. And the 215 is Texas and Colgate. Another bracket where there are so many good first round matchups. The first one that jumps off the page at me, Thomas, is the Iowa Auburn matchup just because of how electric both teams can play if they're playing the right basketball at the right time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I went on the record and picked Auburn as my uh, dark horse in, in the SEC tournament. That didn't really turn out the way I thought it would, but I, I'm still confident in Auburn being a good, a good team. And um, we talked about the Big Big Ten earlier, and I'm just kind of hesitant to pick a lot of these teams. So this is a matchup where um, both these teams, I think, could win this game. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised in either way. Eight nine should be that way, and that's the way it is here. Um, and I look at, um, I, I think. Auburn just has a little bit of an advantage because of where the game is being played. Um, being played in Birmingham kind of favors them a little bit. They'll have the home crowd there um, for the most part, and it should be an electric atmosphere for them. Um, and and so uh, I'm also uh, – you might have a better understanding of this than I do. Um, the other side of the bracket, we're talking about the South. Alabama and them, um, 1, 16, 8, 9 are all in Birmingham as well. Why are they – why are different parts of the bracket in – do you know that? I'm just curious. Um, I have no idea. I know that how it works is the higher seed gets kind of the closer game, but I'm not really sure why Alabama gets the Birmingham and Houston gets Birmingham. Um, 
I don't really know because at the same time it's the Midwest and it's in Greensboro, Albany, and Des Moines. So only one of those teams I would clarify to be in the Midwest region. So I, I don't really know. It's it's all about just who wants to host it and who's willing to pay for it. Yeah, I guess so. The regions kind of confuse me. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think Auburn has the advantage just because of where the game's being played, I think being played in Birmingham definitely favors them. Um, and when I'm looking at the rest of this um this bracket right here, I, I think it's never smart to pick a 16. If I were to pick one 16 to have the best chance, I would say it's Northern Kentucky. Um, they've been a really solid team all year. Um, and I'm kind of hesitant about Houston. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not going on the air. Just, I want to clarify. I'm not going on the air and picking Northern Kentucky over um, Houston. I'm just saying if, if a 16 does win, I think it would be Northern Kentucky. Um, but yeah, this, this is the, this is the bracket that I feel like has, some of the, the worst seeding, in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> A&M as a seven seems um, just disrespectful, to say the yeah. least. That yeah. That is – I think that's a abysmal ranking. Um, I think um, Penn State at a 10 is, is a little bit strange as well. Um, they were the 10 in their own tournament. I know they went on a crazy run, but I don't know. Some, some of the seeding just know. feels weird to me. Um and I think just looking at it, um, so many great potential matchups. I like the matchup of of Auburn. If they had to play Houston and Birmingham as well, that'd be – I mean, uh, Auburn just has such an advantage playing in the state of Alabama. And then Texas and Texas A&M playing against each other would be just a crazy matchup to see. So a lot of potential great matchups in this, in this side of the bracket. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to be a very interesting side of the bracket. And a side of the bracket that – I think you could see some upsets early, but I think in the end, some of these higher seeded teams will end up coming out on top. I will say a a potential matchup that really intrigues me is Texas A&M and Texas, just because of how well both of those teams are playing at this current moment in time. That that 7-2 matchup feels like it should be a 3-5 matchup, if we're being really honest, just because of how good both of those teams are. Um, I'm not really sure why Texas A&M is a seven seed. I, I saw it on uh, on the show and I, my jaw dropped. I was like, how in the world are you going to make an argument for Texas A&M, the team who was the second best team in the SEC all year long as a seven seed? Blows my mind. I have no idea who picked that, why they picked it. Terrible pick, awful pick. I, I would probably put them at a five or a four just because of how well they've played down the stretch. However, Texas A&M loves to be the underdog, and they love to be a a chip-on-the-shoulder team. Uh, I think that they're going to use that. Um, Buzz Williams, even today, uh, in an interview with Marty Smith, said that they love to kind of look at it, look at film, train, play, kind of like they're they're the second-best team on the floor always. And he said that it had been kind of weird over the past couple weeks for them to be the better team on the floor. Well, guess what? Now the whole world thinks you're the second best team on the floor again. So you've got to go out and prove it. I think they're going to relish that fact. I really would not be surprised to see Texas A&M make an elite eight and maybe even a final four out of this side of the bracket. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, three teams in, in Texas, Penn state and Texas A&M that I really um, think are playing great basketball right now. Uh, it's a shame that A&M and Penn state have to play in the first round. I could really, um, in a, in a, vacuum i could see both of these teams going to the sweet 16 uh potentially elite eight and 
they have to play in the first round. One of them is going to be a first round exit, and that kind of just stinks. Um, one of their hot streaks is going to be cut short. Um, and, and so uh, around this this side of the bracket, and I get what you're saying there with AM. and um, And so I'm going to not talk about AM too much right now. And I'm just going to say I think Texas might have the um, easiest road outside of AM to get to a uh, potential Final Four than uh, any other two seed, really any other team. I feel like I picked Texas because they had an easy um, bracket in, in the Big 12, and I feel like I could do the same thing again in this tournament. I don't see a lot of teams here that could give them many problems outside of that maybe round of 32 game. Yeah, and I will say one thing, though, that that Colgate team is a team that could potentially cause some problems. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to make an, a, any kind of an upset just because Texas is really, really good and they're playing basketball um, at, at a high level at the right time. However, I will say that that Colgate matchup could potentially offer um, some problems for the Longhorns. But I, I do agree with what you're saying there. Out of all sides of the bracket, this is the one that I think could – be the easiest uh, of the four quarters of uh, of the the entire thing. So I think that if you're a team like Texas, Texas A&M, Penn State, um, I'd even throw Xavier in there. You, you've got to be really excited with what you've got because you've got um, a team in Houston at that number one seed that I'm going to go right out and say it does not deserve to be a one seed. Um, I would put uh, probably Texas in. Honestly, you could flip Texas and Houston and I would be way happier about it. The, um, I think that this is just the best side of the bracket to be in. I got to be real honest. So, um, you know, I already mentioned as far as dark horses go, Texas A&M is kind of mine. Uh, they're a dark horse without being a dark horse, but since they're a seven seed, I'm going to count it as a dark horse. Yeah, I don't mind that that take at all. Um, I, I kind of struggle to find a dark horse here. Um, I, I guess I would lean towards Iowa State at the six. Um, that's not like crazy dark horse, but – I think they're, I mean, like I said, this is one of the easier sides of the bracket. And I think this is kind of favorable for them. I was just looking at their potential matchups and um, I, I would love to see a round of 32 game with them and Xavier. I think that'd be a, a good matchup. Um, and I think the winner of that could, could go on a little bit of a run. Um, Iowa state, I think recently has kind of refound that, that edge on defense. I think this, this little bit of a break in between conference tournament and national tournament can give them um that, that energy they need to to use that defense and, and fuel their defense to to really lock back in. Um, so I think Iowa State might be my team that can make a, a decent run here. And then I'll say I'll say this about uh, the tournament as a whole: I don't understand the whole eleven seed play in. Um, I, I think if you're good enough to be an eleven seed, which they think Pitt and Mississippi State are good enough to be eleven seeds, um, why do you have to play an extra game to get in? I don't know. It it, it benefits the smaller conferences to play in the play in games. Let the eight bottom uh, auto bids play in the play-in games and give them some extra revenue. I think that'd be better than watching because Mississippi State and Pitt, I feel like, are both teams that um, kind of deserve to be in the actual thing. Yeah. I don't think either of those teams are necessarily playing teams. I'd rather see a, a team like um, like Howard or Northern Kentucky have to play for that. So yeah. that, that's just my take personally on that, but. Um, and it makes it so much harder to make the bracket, too. It's so hard oh, to definitely. look at that and say – because, you know, I think Mississippi State right now is, is a team that's been playing pretty good basketball, and maybe they would have a good chance of beating Iowa State. This is just hypothetical. But I yeah. see them beating Iowa State, and then I'd be like, oh, well, Pitt doesn't really have that good of a shot against Iowa State. And so then it makes it harder for me to pick as a as a 
you know, a fan that's, you know, making one of the millions of brackets that are out there. So uh, I'm not a big fan of that whole thing. But, um, yeah, in this in this side of the bracket, I think it's really just kind of the easiest quadrant. And, um, I mean, I say that, and then we're going to see the most upsets here. So <laughs> you, you just never know what March Madness. I mean, March is madness. That's the name for a reason. Um, As far as the 11 seed thing, I've never understood the plan, to be honest with you. Like, if you make the tournament, you make the tournament. I don't understand why you've got these games where you're like, oh, you made the tournament, but not not yet. <laughs> like, yeah. you're in, but you're not. So you've got to win one more game. Like, if you're in, you're in. If you're not in, you're not in. Like, I don't know. I, don't really, I mean, I know why they do it. It's for money and all that fun stuff. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like either of these two teams, because you know, like you said, it makes it hard to pick it because on one hand, I, I sit here and I go, okay, well, I don't necessarily think Mississippi State could beat Iowa State, but I think they could beat Pittsburgh. But at the same time, Pitt's a really good team. So I don't know. And, you know, luckily this game is actually on a Tuesday. So you can actually um, make a pick after the game is done before the tournament set. But for that that Arizona State-Nevada game on Wednesday night, I mean, unless you stay up until the crack of dawn to, to make brackets, you're not really going to know until you wake up and the games are on the next morning. So I, I think that the play-in tournament – to get in is just kind of always baffled me. I don't really understand why they do it. Um, if you're in, you're in, if you're not in, you're not in, but either way, this side of the bracket is going to be uh, definitely up for grabs for a lot of teams, Houston, Xavier, Texas, Texas A&M. I'd even throw Indiana in, in there as teams that could potentially make a deep run. Um, another team like Auburn being in, in the state of Alabama could potentially make a run as well. So I, I think that there's going to be, Lots of great matchups in this in this individual side of of the bracket, and, and I'm definitely excited to see how it all plays out. Moving down the bracket to the West Regional, uh, the one sixteen matchup is Kansas versus Howard. The eight nine is Arkansas Illinois. The five twelve is Saint Mary's VCU. The four thirteen is UConn Iona. The 6-11 is TCU, and they will play the winner of Arizona State and Nevada. The 3-14 is Gonzaga and Grand Canyon. The 7-10 is Northwestern and Boise State. And the 2-15 is UCLA and UNC Asheville. This side of the bracket honestly kind of jumps out to me as the side of the bracket that I think we could see the least amount of upsets. I think that some of the teams that are ranked, or not ranked, seeded higher I think just are better teams overall. You've got a couple teams, like maybe a TCU over a Gonzaga um, that, that I would pick probably as some of my um, my upsets. But I just don't see too many games across the board that I would really consider to be um, upset-ridden games. Yeah, and a lot of these don't really feel favorable for the lower seeds. Um, uh, like a, a Gonzaga team is one that I feel like had a chance to get an upset, and then I'm just not co- that confident in Grand Canyon. Um, it's it's just a lot of teams that uh, St. Mary's is in that same boat. I feel like they, they're kind of in the same Gonzaga boat where they're not too, too impressive, and, and they could also um, usually fall victim to upset in the situation. But I like their chances against VCU as well. So uh, this is this feels like the side of the conference that the, the top seeds are going to get the job done, more so than some of the other sides of the conference. Um, I, I don't know. There's not – a lot of craziness going on here, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you look across the board, Kansas will blow out Howard. Anytime you got an 8-9, it's not really an upset. 
um St. Mary's VCU I, I feel like well VCU is a good team I watched that game that they played today against Dayton um I, I just I would pick St. Mary's in that matchup just because I think St. Mary's is a team that's rested and they're they're ready to rock and roll they've got something to prove um UConn Iona UConn's a team that I could think um could potentially cause some problems for a team like Kansas um TCU and whoever they get I think TCU is a really really good team honestly TCU on this side of the bracket is probably my dark horse just because I think that they can get it past a team like Gonzaga and then cause some real problems for um, one of those bottom four teams. Northwestern Boise state is the one game that really shoots off the page as a potential upset, just because I think Boise state is a good team. However, it's a seven ten, So it's not like this crazy, huge upset um, UCLA fully expect them to waltz all over UNC Asheville. And honestly, UCLA is probably the team that I would pick to win this, uh, this quarter of the bracket. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with what, what you're saying. Um, I will say that out of the 15 seeds, I think UNC Asheville is the best of the 15 seeds. I don't like their matchup with UCLA. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. Um, Drew Pember is one of the um, premier players in college basketball. Um, and he, he's a really good player, draws a lot of fouls. It'll be tough for him against a really defensive-minded team like UCLA to to draw those same fouls. He goes to the free throw line, I think, more than anybody else in the country. So um, his game kind of falls apart almost against UCLA unless he can uh, manage to draw fouls against them too. Um, but, yeah, just top to bottom seems like the higher seed is, is more, more so a favorite than usual. Um, I'll probably have to settle on some uh, upset pick here just because – I feel like no quadrant goes without upset. I can't think of the last time that a one through eight all won. It doesn't seem like it's – I mean, I know that, you know, the nine and ten really aren't that big of upsets, but I just – it won't happen. I feel like it's it's more yeah. likely that it won't happen. Yeah. Um, so I have to figure something out there. Um, <laughs> I really – looking at these these first-round games, though, I think the, the best game that I think could come out of this quadrant is the Arizona State-Nevada game. I think that game could be a, a, a great one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two teams that had to prove a lot to get to this point, two teams that – I personally think my Tigers should be in over, but that's an argument for another day. Um, or later these on, are, yeah, yeah. These these two teams are um, that that should be a good a good first four game that uh, I'll probably you said to be a late one. I'll probably tune in to watch it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I just I don't see a lot of upset potential. Um, and then as I say that, we'll we'll watch every lower seed win. It'll be a sixteen. Kansas is gonna lose to Howard just because we're saying yeah. it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> also, you know, Howard being going dancing first time in a while. Shout out TJ Merritt's. Uh, I don't think he listens to the podcast, but anyway. If uh, he does. I, I hope he does. Uh, I'll, I'll send it to him and make sure he hears this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm happy for Howard. Uh, you know, it seems like all my friends, schools outside of, you know, my USC friends um, got in the tournament. Everybody else that I know is somehow <laughs> in, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, a great a great side of the bracket here for – um, an upset that's unexpected is what I'm is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that you and I are the ones that do the podcast, and yet we're, we're the only people whose school didn't actually get in. So maybe we should just retire. But um, <laughs> either way, either way, um, listen, this is a side of the bracket though that I, I think you could potentially see the best team in the country come out of. Because, you know, you you talk about how there's not really any possibility for an upset. Okay, well, that probably means that Kansas and UCLA are on a crash course for each other. If that happens, you've got a, an absolute 
barn burner of a game in, in a Kansas UCLA one, two matchup in the elite eight in, in Las Vegas, honestly, being the, the, the two seed, it's going to favor UCLA because they literally just played in Las Vegas two days ago. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how these two teams navigate their, their path to each other. And then once they hit each other, what's going to happen next. Yeah, I feel like in this situation, it's, it's the old question of a, a movable force and uh, a movable object in UCLA and an unstoppable force in, in Kansas where the offense is just incredible from Kansas and then defense is just out of this world from UCLA. Uh, I think that really just depends on how healthy UCLA can get. Um, banged up at the wrong time, really. It's a shame to see. Um, and then also um, how much Bill Self's involved with, with Kansas side of things is it's it's a weird storyline for both those teams going into this tournament. Um, in, in a perfect world, we know that none of that's going on. Um, I think I would lean towards UCLA just because the way that things are going on right now. Um, uh, you know, that, that's another great one-two matchup that I'd love to see. Um, in March, I always cheer for the upset. I always cheer for the underdog. I'd love to see a 16 seed win the whole thing. Um, but also, you know, I, I think March is great because you get to see some of these matchups that just premier teams going at it. Um, but with everything on the line, uh, Kansas and UCLA would be a great matchup, similar to um, Alabama and Arizona. And I think I would lean towards UCLA. I think Kansas um, does struggle whenever they've only got Jalen Wilson scoring the ball. And so I think UCLA could take advantage of that in some way and get the best of them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think UCLA is – um is probably the team I would pick in that game just because like you said they're they're just such a powerful defensive team that I don't think you could see anybody really get past them they've got veteran guys in Hemi Hawkins Jr. and Tiger Campbell who are just elite let's call them what it is and and this is a, a very well coached team you know if they can get healthy uh, throughout the course of the tournament, and, and um, I fully expect them to do that as well. Um, I think they've got a pretty easy round of 64 and 32. Um, I know Northwestern is there, and they're that that second-best team in the Big Ten. However, not high on the Big Ten whatsoever. So I really do think UCLA is probably the best team in this bracket. Like I mentioned, I think that they're probably that one seed again, Kansas, off that pretty embarrassing loss to Texas. Um, I just think that even though UCLA lost, it was a less demoralizing loss to a, a good Arizona team. Um, I don't think Kansas can say the same. So I definitely uh, agree in the fact that I think UCLA would probably uh, win that matchup against Kansas. Yeah, for sure. Um, that probably means that Kansas will win it if that happens now. I mean, we've said that right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, I look across this thing and I think – we're making pretty good points about these two being really good teams, Kansas and UCLA, both being really, really impressive teams, great resumes, both of them. And so um, looking for a dark horse, I think of which teams can avoid those two the longest. Um, so I'm looking somewhere in between that 5, 12, 4, 13, 6, 11, and, and the 3, 14. Those are the teams that can avoid these one and two the longest. And so um, I think the, the dark horse for me here is Grand Canyon. I said I don't like their chances against Gonzaga, but I think if they can get past Gonzaga, I do. Um, uh, they were a team that was kind of riddled with injuries all year. They got healthy at the right time, and here they are uh, in the in the national tournament. Um, I think there's not a lot of great teams to pick here, um, and, and I think I like them being able to stay away from UCLA the longest and, and maybe just um, 
hit a couple of crazy shots against TCU or something. I don't really know. It, <laughs> it, it'd be a lot to take. I'm not. I'm not picking this as my crazy Cinderella run. But if I had to pick one in this quadrant, I think it would be Grand Canyon uh, as the dark horse. Yeah, I think it's funny that you and I picked uh, two teams that would play each other. I picked TCU. You went Grand Canyon. I just think that the longer you can avoid Kansas and UCLA the more chances you have to be a, a dark horse Cinderella run kind of team. Um, I know TCU at a six isn't really a Cinderella run dark horse kind of team, but um, I do think they're a good team and um, I, I don't think they could beat UCLA, but I think they could cause some problems and at least make it look, uh, look like they really tried, but this is going to be a really interesting side of the bracket. I think that you could potentially have two teams come out of this side of the bracket that I would probably pick as my national champion. So it's going to be hard for me to pick. It's going to be a, a, a difficult pick for sure. However, I got to agree with you. Uh, UCLA, Kansas, you bet by far your best two teams. And whichever one wins that game in the Elite Eight is really going to be destined for a national championship run. We'll move into the East Regional, the final regional of the day. Uh, we'll go down the matchups just like normal. The 116 is Purdue, and they will get the winner of Texas Southern and FDU. The 8-9 is Memphis and Florida Atlantic. The 5-12 is Duke and Oral Roberts. The 4-13 is Tennessee and Louisiana. The 6-11 is Kentucky and Providence. The 3-14 is Kansas State and Montana State. The 7-10 is Michigan State and Southern California. And finally, the 215 is Marquette in Vermont. This is by far the best quarter of the bracket. You've got a team in Purdue, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Duke, Oral Roberts, Tennessee, Kentucky, Kansas State, um, Marquette. I, I could pick all of them to win this entire side of the bracket, and I don't think you could call me an idiot. Yeah, this one feels like it's the most up for grabs. You know, we've we've seen uh, a kind of a different story in each quadrant. You have the South, where we think it's upset city. Uh, we think the the Midwest is kind of the the easier ish one um, for for whoever gets through. Um, the West is kind of just riddled with a lot of higher seeds winning, and, and then the East, where um, who knows what could like what could happen. Um, really, um, this is the one where I feel like the most the one seed isn't the favorite. You know, they shouldn't be the favorite to come out of this quadrant. Um, I, I would bet um, I would bet that it would be anybody other than Purdue, which is not a knock at Purdue, just how many good teams are in this quadrant. So many potential teams that could go on runs here that it's um, really hard to decide who you want to go with. Yeah, I mean, the the first off, so we'll, we'll kind of break down Purdue's path. Purdue would have to get past Texas Southern and FDU. feel like they could probably do that. Okay, well, then you've got to play the winner of Memphis and Florida Atlantic, a Florida Atlantic team that was probably going to be in the tournament regardless of if they won or not. The one kind of mid-major team that would have gotten an at-large bid uh, being 31-3 and on the year. However, they've got to get past a Memphis team that just beat Houston in the American Conference Championship. So that's going to be really, really tough. So either way, if you're Purdue – you've already got a really hard second game. Okay, so let's say you can get past that. Awesome. You've either got to play Duke, Oral Roberts, Tennessee, or Louisiana. I mean, name a harder group of four teams to get past. I'll wait. I mean, you've got probably the hottest team in the country in Duke. 
You've probably got the best Cinderella run capable team in Oral Roberts. You've got a defensive minded powerhouse in Tennessee. And oh, yeah, the best team in the Sun Belt Fun Belt in Louisiana. So I think that this is going to be um, not an impossible path because nothing is impossible, but almost impossible path for Purdue to get past all of these teams to to get even to a game against maybe a Marquette team in in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I talked earlier about how I thought, you know, Houston had the best chances of losing in that first round. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's the best chances. I think Purdue has the best chances of being the first team out uh, as a number one seed. Uh, all the other ones, he'd seem to have a, an easier uh, road to the Sweet 16. Um, easier, obviously, doesn't mean easy, but it's just the, the, the path isn't as hard and as difficult. And I think Purdue is just – they got on not really unlucky that the the people make there's people that make this bracket. It's not like it's just a random thing. Like, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately for them, they have the the more difficult road as a one seed, um, and, and they've shown that they're not the best team uh, away from home. So, you know, I, I worry for Purdue here. Uh, I talked about them earlier in the Big Ten. They didn't impress me in that tournament. They beat some of the lower seeds in that tournament, and so. Uh, I guess their best chance here is to just play a bunch of low seeds and maybe they can make their way there. They just play a bunch of Cinderella teams, I guess. But um, so many great matchups here. I, I really hate it for Oral Roberts. They were one of the teams that everybody kind of looked at as a Cinderella team and they have to go up against the um, ACC champs and one of the hottest teams in the country in Duke. And, and then a team like um, Kentucky and Providence. I feel like both of those teams are teams that uh, have a lot to prove in, in this in this tournament and, and they have to play in the first round as well. Uh, Michigan State and USC are in that same boat, I feel like. So I, I kind of hate it for a lot of these teams that they're going to have to uh, be first-round exits, but it's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, this side of the bracket really kind of feels like the, oh, crap, we forgot about them side of the bracket. Like, I don't – I don't, I just – I don't know how you wind up with, with Purdue, Memphis, Florida Atlantic, Duke, Tennessee, Kentucky, Kansas State, Michigan State, Marquette, all in the same little quadrant of the bracket. I just – I just, I mean, this is the most loaded bracket we've had in probably a long time. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, who would I pick? I have no idea. I mean, you've got a, you've got so many good matchups. Even on the first day, you get Florida Atlantic and and Memphis. That Duke or Roberts game, I think, could potentially be the matchup of of the first round. Tennessee Louisiana has upset alert written all over it. Um, Kentucky and Providence, Providence, a team that they've got everything in the world to prove right now. Um, a lot of people saying they probably shouldn't be in and that Clemson should be there. You've got teams in Kansas State who the disappointed in the Big 12 tournament. You've got teams like uh, Michigan State who who also disappointed in their conference tournament. Marquette, who probably feels um, a little hard done by not being a one seed so many teams with so much to prove in this side of the bracket. I'm I'm sitting here thinking about who would I pick as a dark horse? Who would I pick as a team to win the side of the bracket? And I'm really at a loss right now. I think if, if I had to go with an elite eight matchup, I'd probably go with Duke and Kansas state. I think that those are probably my two teams that I would pick. Kansas State, uh, I'm a little hesitant picking them just because they've got to play Marquette. I think Marquette is a really good team. Um, however, I think Kansas State has just kind of hit a lull in their season and, and getting into the tournament has kind of give them um, a little bit of excitement that they need to kind of get the get their rest of their season kickstarted. Yeah, this is a situation where I'm actually uh, okay with going with the next-gen curse. 
I do look at this and see a lot of teams that are very capable of making the Elite Eight, making the Final Four. Um, but I, I heavily lean towards picking Duke uh, from that top side of this quadrant. Um, and then the bottom, uh, the only place I disagree with you is with Marquette. You know, I, I do think Marquette's probably feel a little bit slighted that they weren't the one seed. They should be glad they're not the one seed in this side. Uh, I think the two seed here has the easier road, the easier path. Not that it's easy, but it's it's better than what Purdue has to go through. Um, and so I, I think I would lean towards seeing Duke and Marquette. And then at that point, um, I feel like whoever wins that probably loses in the final four. Um, but I, I don't know. It's I'm just ready to fill out the brackets. I can't, I got to be excited <laughs> just thinking about it right now, but um, so many great matchups here. Um, I, I think the round of 32 here is going to be really special. Um, there's a few really good games in the first round too, but the round of 32, I think could provide a lot of the best games of the tournament. Um, and in this quadrant, especially, uh, I think it's just going to be a great quadrant to watch play out and see who can do what and, and just really who's going to be hot. Um, you know, whoever has that opening win, that opening statement win, I think it's going to be a team that just rides that wave. Yeah, I got to agree. I'm sitting here and, you know, before we do our kind of um, dark horse picks, I'm trying to pick who I would pick because um, I, I don't want to pick a team like Duke as my dark horse because it's not a dark horse at all. Um, so I'm gonna go with Memphis as my dark horse pick in this side of the bracket. I know they're an eight seed and that's kind of not a dark horse, but kind of is. I just think that they're probably my dark horse because I think that if they can get past Florida Atlantic, I think they get past Purdue and that would probably make Purdue the first number one seed out. Um, so that's the basis of my dark horse. I'm almost justifying my, my dark horse pick because I picked Duke to beat them in the sweet 16, um, but I would say that Memphis beating Purdue and to knock them out as the first number one seed out, um, would, would probably be my dark horse pick. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but I'm going to lean towards Providence. I think they're toughest or I mean, they have a tough road, but I think they're a team that has played in a lot of close games this year. They know how to play in those games. They know how to compete against good teams. Um, in fact, they're, a little bit slept on. Um, they had a really good year, I felt like, and fell off towards the end. I talked about them earlier. I have a little bit of worries. They're on a three-game losing streak, all four of the last five. Um, what what better time than now to turn things around? Um, now is the time. Uh, if they can get past Kentucky, um, they they have a chance. Um, I, I think Kansas State's a, a tough out, um, but I, I just I like Providence as a team more so than the path they have. Uh, <laughs> I think they're a good team, and I think, um, like I'm saying, more so than what they have to go against, I think they're just a good team that has a chance at winning a few games. Um, I don't necessarily love their path. I don't love anybody's path in this in this bracket. So um, I'm going to pick my dark horse as, as um, Providence. Definitely agree. I mean, uh, that game, especially against a Kentucky team that kind of slumped off there after that hot streak they had uh, through February, I think that that's a – a good, solid, uh, safe pick in, in Providence. So, Thomas, we, we, we've broken down each individual side of the bracket, right? We've gone through all four of the, of the regionals. So, without any knowledge of anything going on, it's literally Sunday night. The brackets were announced three hours ago. Give me a final four and then a national champion. Wow, that's that's tough. Put me on the spot there. I did. Um, I think... 
out of the South, I'm going to go Bama. Out of the East, I'm going to go Duke. Out of the West, I will rock with UCLA, assuming that they have some health. Out of the Midwest, I'm going to lean towards Texas, I think. So uh, my final four be um, Alabama, Duke, Texas, and UCLA. And I think a national champion out of those, uh, national championship, I would say, is Bama and UCLA. Um, and that's kind of a rematch from a few years ago, that that crazy, crazy game that happened. I think it was two years ago now, maybe. Um, I think so. But anyway, I think I would lean towards UCLA, um, their defense prevailing. I don't want to pick Bama. I don't like Bama. <laughs> um, but, no, Bama could do it. Uh, I, I think if I had to go with one right now, assuming health, assuming they have their guys, it's UCLA. Um, I, I hope they get their guys back because they really do have that potential. I think it's funny that earlier you said you would pick Arizona to win and you picked Alabama in the end. So, well, um, well, see, see, here's the thing. That was if we if we had Alabama Arizona in that Elite Eight game. Okay. I'm not get, I'm not sure I have Arizona getting to that Elite oh, Eight. Oh, that's, okay. that's the thing. That's the okay. thing. Okay, I see you. Hey, listen, <laughs> you don't got to justify it. It's okay. You're no, I'm, I'm going to justify it. I'm going to justify it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. You had Bama UCLA with UCLA as a national champion. Not where I thought you were going to go with that at all. I thought you were going to say Bama. Um, okay, so for my final four, I think I would go with ooh, Arizona, just because you picked Alabama, and I don't like Alabama. I would. I'm going to agree with you on Duke. I think Duke is really, really good, and so I'm going to pick them. However, I'm going to get Xavier from the Midwest region in the final four as that one lone Big East team. And then I got to agree with you on UCLA. So um, out of that, I'm going to go Arizona, UCLA, national championship. It's round four. And then I'm going to roll with UCLA as my national champion. I think that UCLA is just unbelievable uh, they are a slept on team they don't get enough credit so without any knowledge we have unanimously picked ucla as our national champion i do have the arizona ucla rematch so just a little bit of pac-12 spice in honor of bill walton being my hero of the week we just we just ruined ucla's chances they're, they're, they're a first round exit now. They're first what, round what out. have we done what have we done <laughs> um, um, oh geez no, yeah, I, I think – I mean, I'm saying this now. I'll have to sit down and actually make my bracket, and that could definitely change. Um, well, me and you will definitely post our brackets on the Twitter, let everybody oh, yeah. know what we actually have going on because um, at the moment it's so hard to – I mean, it's like you said, it's been hours since the thing's been released. I haven't had time to process it all yet. Um, but it's funny that we both lean towards UCLA. I really hope they get healthy. If they don't get healthy, my pick completely changes. So yeah, um, a lot yeah. going on right now, and I'm really excited for it all to get going. Oh, I definitely agree, and, and I do want to stress that it is Sunday night. It is 10 o'clock Sunday night. Or excuse me, it's 11 o'clock on Sunday night. So <laughs> it, this is very, like, first – this is not my official bracket at all. Just want to point that out. Let that be known. Uh, when I post my bracket, it will probably look completely different from that. Um, there's a lot that still has to happen. Uh, one thing is Kansas. I need to know what's going on there. Like, you know, um, I picked them as my national champion not too long ago, and – I don't have them get to the final four right now. So if, you know, if we can get uh, an update on Bill Self and kind of what capacity he's able to be in, you know, obviously health before sports. And so 
you know, we've got to wait and kind of see where he's at. We got to wait and see where UCLA is at team like Texas need to see kind of how their next couple of days go. Houston as well. Um, you know, Alabama, who knows what's going to go on with the off the court stuff there. So there's a, there's a lot that still has to happen. It's, it's Sunday night. This will come out on a Monday. There's, there's a lot that goes on in between now. And then you've still got the, the play-in games, the the four play-in games that we've got to uh, wait and see how those shape up. You got teams like Pittsburgh and Mississippi state that could potentially uh, really shape things up, especially for uh, that Midwest region, because I do have Xavier getting in and maybe a Pittsburgh team or a Mississippi state team could knock them off. So I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see kind of how the next few days shape up. Thomas and I will be posting our official brackets, probably Wednesday night, maybe even a Thursday morning. We'll uh, we'll make sure that we get those out for you guys. And we would love to see yours as well. So if you make one, make sure you uh, post that, tag us in it, comment on one of our posts about it, because we would love to see yours as well. For sure. Um, and I'll say this is my, my closing thoughts on the national champion. I think the winner of the West um, will be the national champion. I'm confident that it's going to be either Kansas or UCLA. Both those two teams, in my opinion, are outside of Alabama, the best two teams in the country. I think, I think in my, in no particular order, um, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA are my top three personally. Um, and so I think the winner out of the West probably play Alabama. And at that point, I don't know. Um, but my three teams I would pick are those three. I'll, I'll make my odds a little bit better here. But no, okay. I, I'm rocking. I'm rocking with UCLA. I'm gonna stick with that for right now um, until my okay. actual bracket comes out. But uh, yeah, the West is gonna be the team that I think, or the the quadrant that sends the winner, in my opinion. That's fair enough. I definitely uh, I don't disagree with that take at all. So we're gonna do one more thing for this before we move on to the women's brackets. Um, First four out, Thomas. Apologize. You got done wrong. Okay. According to the March Madness Selection Committee, the first four teams out were the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, the North Carolina Tar Heels, and unfortunately, the Clemson Tigers. Let's talk about this for a minute. This is a year in the bracket where there are so many teams that I feel like could have gotten in that didn't get in that that got in that I don't necessarily think should have gotten in. I would definitely put Clemson as my first team that didn't get in that I think should have gotten in. Um, I, I think about the the Tigers as a team kind of like the Aggies last year that I don't know why they didn't really get in. I mean, I understand the logic. I I, I heard Lenardi and, and some of those selection people talk about it. I just don't necessarily get it. I mean, this is a a 23-win Clemson Tiger team, and they didn't get an at-large bid. I don't really know what else you want them to do. Sure, they weren't playing their best basketball in November and December, but they were January and February and March. So, um, you know, and this is coming from a a South Carolina student, but I I try to pride myself in being as unbiased as humanly possible. I don't know what else Clemson had to do. I mean, I guess beat South Carolina on their home floor in November, but – even then, I, I think that that's a that's a tall task. Yeah, um, I didn't expect Clemson to get in just because everything I was seeing. Uh, I thought they deserved to be in. I, I thought they deserved to be in. I think Oklahoma State probably deserved to be in as well. But, but I mean, with the Tigers, you talk about that that November loss to South Carolina. Well, our our go to guy PJ Hall 
is still rehabbing from a leg injury from over the summer. He had surgery over the summer for his leg. He's dealing with injuries at that point in time. We had we, we lost a game at Wake Forest um, with Chase Hunter out because of injury. Hemingway, who started at the beginning of the year for us, dealt with injuries throughout the entire year. Um, and then Galloway was out when we, when we lost to Boston College. So there's a number of bad losses that I, you can't dispute. We, we lost those games. I think that the number of good wins is what's what's what really matters because you know um there i think what the number was was clemson had three um net 300 losses which is terrible it, it's it, it's inexcusable to lose three uh net 300 teams so that's really bad but um against teams that are in the tournament uh, a six and three record somewhere around there um well, well above 500 um and quad one and quad two games seven and six um and three of those quad one wins are on the road um, beat uh, the teams that are above them from the ACC, NC State and Pitt are the debatable ones from the ACC. Beat Pitt, like they beat Pitt, all right, and then they beat NC State three times at home, away, and on neutral site. Um, they have the same overall record, and Clemson had a better conference record. The head-to-head, I know, it isn't taken into account um, by some of the, you know, Ken Palm or or by um, the net rankings, I, I get that. But the committee is made up of people. Uh, they're looking at the overall body of work. That's how um, one of the guys on the selection show said. And the, the the whole body of work, in my opinion, just shows that Clemson deserves to be in. Um, some losses that shouldn't have happened. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, um, you look at the whole body of work, they're the te- third best team in the ACC regular season-wise. The last time that a team from the ACC, that, or a top four seed from the ACC hasn't made it was 2000. Since 1985, it's only happened once. I, I mean, like, the, Joe already kept saying it's precedent that their out-of-conference schedule is so bad. And, and I get that. But when we when we made our schedule, we threw a little of Chicago on there, who was supposed to be good. But we lost that game. I get that. It's a, it's a terrible loss. But at that point in time, like we, we try to make it, we try to make it a good schedule. Richmond was a team that was in the tournament last year. We tried to make like a good game. It, it just didn't work out. Our out of conference schedule didn't, they didn't live up to their side of things for the most part. And so I feel like Clemson is a team that got snubbed. Um, they're in the NIT and uh, I'm not really too happy about it. Um, I'm, I'm more focused on the, on the real tournament than the NIT personally. I hope the Tigers do well in it, but they, they deserve a spot at least uh, made the semifinal. I mean, most recently, an 11 seed NC State team, we just dominated them when it mattered most in the ACC tournament. And they're in and we're not. They give Pitt the nod as a play-in team. Clemson beat Pitt. Clemson finished above Pitt in the ACC record. I don't, I don't understand it completely. Um, I, I get some of what they're saying about the bad out of conference, the bad losses, but you're only looking at the negative there. I feel like we're not hearing enough about the positives. Um, we beat the ACC champion. We beat uh, Penn State, the Big Ten runner-up. Um, we finished third in the ACC. Um, like I said, seven and six in quad one, quad two games, three quad wins, quad one wins away from home. Uh, it's it doesn't make much sense to me, um, and I'm kind of disappointed in the whole thing. But you know, it is what it is. What it is. I'm still excited for March and uh, a lot to be excited for still. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, you, you've got to feel hard done by. I mean, even as a as a Virginia Tech fan and a USC student, I, I feel I feel bad for Clemson fans all over the world because 
I don't know what else you had to do. I mean, I guess don't lose by 20 to Virginia, but at the same time, I feel like that shouldn't really matter. So, you know, Clemson definitely is a team that will feel hard done by. And it's a team that I know you've got some some older guys and some senior leaders on that team that won't be uh, a part of the program next year, probably. I know that most of them have another COVID year and they could come back. But um, I know a guy, uh, especially like a PJ Hall, will probably look to go to the league maybe in, in Europe. So we'll, it'll be uh, interesting to see kind of how that goes. And, and I think it is worth mentioning as well, UNC didn't make it. I think it's the first time ever a number one overall team uh, to start the year hasn't made the tournament. It's it's a crazy year in college basketball. We said it from start to finish. It was anybody's game at any point in time. I feel like it's still true now in the tournament. You've got teams like Oklahoma State, UNC, and Clemson, teams that I definitely think should probably be in. But once again, I don't know that I could name three teams that shouldn't be in the tournament as well. So it's just, unfortunately, at the end of the day, people get in, people don't get in. And unfortunately for Clemson, UNC, Rutgers, and Oklahoma State, they just weren't the teams that got in. But either way, uh, the tournament is going to be phenomenal this year. You guys are definitely going to want to be checking those out. The first four games will be Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the actual tournament will begin on Thursday. The women had their selection show at this tonight as well. The number one seeds are South Carolina, Indiana, Virginia Tech, and Stanford. So we're going to go bracket by bracket. We're not going to break it down nearly as in-depth as we did for the men, but we are going to break it down just a little bit for you guys. So the the first quadrant is the Greenville one quadrant, as kind of funny as that is. Uh, South Carolina is the number one seed in that quadrant. You've got uh, Maryland at the two. You've got Notre Dame at the three. And then UCLA at the four. Those are your top four seeds in that side of the bracket. Thomas, the the storyline all year has been South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina. Is that going to change in, in this this side of the bracket, at least? I don't think so. Um, they're they're so good. It, it's it's that simple. They're so good. Yeah, I mean, this is a South Carolina team that just destroys everything in their way. They they did it in the SEC tournament. It looked like they weren't even really trying in the SEC tournament. Um, I fully expect Don Staley's team to all but cruise. Through the uh, through this side of the bracket, um, I fully expect them to be uh, making that Final Four appearance again. Um, but you know, I, I think that this is just a South Carolina team that's that's just going to be too much for almost everybody in this entire tournament. Yeah, I mean they're averaging winning games by thirty. That's like that. That's their average game is to win by thirty. Uh, I mean. What else can you can you say about this team? They're they're incredible. What they're doing right now is historic, um, and it'd be it'd be ridiculous for them not to, to not pick them. I should say it'd be ridiculous not to pick them. Um, as a Clemson fan, I hope they lose. I'll be honest. I hope they lose, but it's just it's just unlikely. Um, when I do look at this this one quadrant, um, I think the team that, in my opinion, gives them the most trouble um, or has the best chance of giving them trouble would be Notre Dame. Uh, I like Notre Dame. I, I've actually watched the Notre Dame girls play our Clemson girls. They were a really solid team. Um, and so I, I think looking at it, I, I think Notre Dame could give them trouble. Um, and by trouble, I mean, South Carolina probably wins by 25. So, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. They only went by 15. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to stop South Carolina. I do agree that Notre Dame is probably that team in this side of the bracket that's got the best chance. Um, however, like you said, don't think it's really going to be all that close. So we'll move over to Greenville 2 because uh, the women's tournament is only in Greenville and Seattle. So uh, I don't I don't really know how that works, but that's that's how it works, I guess. Uh, Indiana is the one seed in that division. Utah is the two. LSU is the three and Villanova is the four. Thomas, this is a, a an interesting side of the bracket because you've got a lot of teams that didn't really show up and perform too great in their conference tournaments. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see Indiana here as the one. Um, I, I mean, they've been great all year. I just I feel like uh, they, they didn't seem like the one seat to me um, personally. But I look at this this quadrant, and they seem like the favorite. Um, they, they were really good all year, and I think they're kind of on a collision course in this one with LSU. Um, I kind of s- sleep a little bit on, I guess, the, the two seats because it's kind of the, the trend right now. But <laughs> I really do think uh, Indiana is probably the best team in this quadrant, um, and, and it'll be a, a game between them and, and LSU to decide who goes to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the LSU is a good team. They're probably uh, the second-best team in this division. I think Utah is a good team. I'm not trying to take away from Utah at all. Um, I just think that LSU with that that kind of SEC schedule, um, e- even if they they kind of got blown out of the water by South Carolina, uh, I think that that doesn't really show how good you are. I think if I had to pick a team to get out of the side of the bracket, I'd probably roll with LSU as well. Um, I just think that that Tiger team is just going to be too much to uh, stop for everybody that that just gets in their way. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I just. I don't know. There's not a lot going on in this in this quadrant for me personally. I don't see a lot. Um, I feel like this is kind of one of the weaker quadrants in, in this in this tournament, and so um, I really do think it's it's Indiana and LSU, and then I'm not really sure um, which of them would win that one, but I could really see that one going either way. Yeah, I'll I'll throw this out there though. Oklahoma State at an eight seed playing the one seed in Indiana. That could be uh, a potentially upset ridden matchup. Uh, Oklahoma State is a good Big 12 team. Um, I think they made the semifinal, if I remember right, of the of the Big 12 tournament and lost. So a, a good uh, Oklahoma State team that could potentially prove uh, problematic for Indiana. For we'll sure. move down the bracket to Seattle 3. Virginia Tech is the one seed in that bracket. UConn is the two. Ohio State is the three. And Tennessee is the four. For me... Having watched Virginia Tech play over the last couple of weeks, Virginia Tech finished the season on a 10-game winning streak, one of the hottest teams in the country behind probably just South Carolina. I, I think that for me, Virginia Tech is the one team in the entire country that if you look at it matchup-wise, could potentially be a team that pushes South Carolina. Not saying that they will, not saying that they'll even get there. However, I will say Virginia Tech with with some of the girls they have versus some of the girls that South Carolina have, uh, that could be a, a potential matchup nightmare for South Carolina. And I bet you're just loving that too. I mean, I, I do. I love it. it every day. It, it gets better and better for me. <laughs> it's great for you, but uh, this, <laughs> this to me looks like uh, probably the best quadrant all around. I think the one through four are all 
I do I do agree with you. Virginia Tech's the hottest team outside of South Carolina. The one through four here seem more even than most quadrants. Um, I, I think UConn's always a great team. Ohio State had a great run in the Big Ten tournament, and, and uh, Tennessee's been you know great for a while now. I feel like so. Um, those four really all seem great to me. Iowa State was my pick to to win the the Big Twelve. It didn't happen, but I mean that's good to show that I think they're a good team as well. Um, <laughs> I, I mean just kind of top to bottom here. I think there's a lot of good teams. Even the six and, and UNC has been solid. Um, I've been keeping up with the ACC more so than the rest of the country. And I know UNC has been a pretty good team. So I look at this and I, I see a lot of really talented teams that, that could um, not necessarily make a ton of noise because I think Virginia Tech is the best one here. Um, but if I had to choose a, a matchup right now um, to look out for, I, I think the the Virginia Tech and, and Tennessee will probably match up in the Elite Eight. I think that would be a good game. And then I like um, UConn and UNC on the other side. And I think uh, really any of those matchups in the in the or sorry I, I misspoke the in the Sweet Sixteen the the UNC or the man the Tennessee and Virginia Tech game in the Sweet Sixteen and then the UNC UConn game in the Sweet Sixteen would be great and then any of those games in the Elite Eight any of those matchups I think would be really good. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is a uh, pretty difficult side of the bracket for Virginia Tech to get through as as the one seed. Um, you know, you, you look at a team like UConn, who's got, I mean, all of those national championships behind them, the historic, the, the, just the historic runs they've been on, but they've kind of had a down year as far as UConn standards go. They're a two seed. I know that that's not a down year by many people's standards, but by UConn standards, that is a down year. But, you know, I think that Virginia Tech, for the sake of the country and for the sake of me, uh, I think that, you know, if you want to see South Carolina troubled, if you want to see them pushed, I think that seeing a Virginia Tech women's team go up against them is probably their best opportunity to lose a ball game. Um, I'm going to roll with Virginia Tech, obviously big Virginia Tech guy right here. Um, and so uh, regardless of that, I think that they're they're the best team in this bracket. And I, uh, I expect the one seed in Virginia Tech to get out. Yeah, not a bad take at all. Can't, can't argue that one. We'll move to the final side of the bracket in Seattle four. Stanford is the one. Iowa is the two. Duke is the three. And Texas is the four. These are some really, really high-powered teams that, that we've got on this side of the bracket. Stanford, a team that struggled down the stretch there. They lost to uh, Utah late and uh, did not win their conference tournament. So um, like like Indiana, it's kind of a, a surprise to see Stanford here at the one and Iowa not. So with that being said, which of these two teams, Thomas, do you think has the best opportunity to get out of this side of the bracket? Uh, I think it's Iowa. I, um, I mentioned earlier that I felt like Indiana probably shouldn't be that one. I, I really do think that it probably should be Iowa just because the way they played down the stretch. They should have gotten a one seed. Um, maybe not over Indiana, but just in general, they should have gotten the one seed, in my opinion. Um, and so I think, you know, we talked about the, them a while back uh, when we picking these games. We talked about Indiana and Iowa and how they had some a little bit of battles here back and forth kind of for most of the season, it seemed like, in that, that Big Ten conference. And um, Iowa, to me, since we talked about them, has played with a chip on their shoulder. I mean, obviously they didn't hear us talk about them, but that's the way I've, that I've seen them play. They, they ended up uh, taking care of business in the Big Ten tournament, um, and they really 
did it in pretty easy fashion, it seemed like. Um, they won the final uh, 105 to 72 over a good Ohio State team. Um, so Iowa is a team that scores the ball in bunches. They're hard to, to deal with. And so I out of this side of the bracket, I like Iowa. I got to agree. And I think um, a, a team like Duke could potentially uh, cause some problems for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But I, I got to agree. I think Iowa is probably the best team in this side of the bracket. I was pretty surprised when I didn't see them at that one seed. Um, fully expected to see them there after uh, the end of the year they had and and after winning the Big Ten tournament as dominantly as they did. I, I pretty uh, fully expected to see that happen. So, Thomas, we've gone through each individual bracket. And like I did for the men, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, without knowing anything, give me a Final Four and then a national champion. Final four, I'm going to roll with the South Carolina Gamecocks. I'm going to go with Iowa as my other one. I like looking at this this side of the bracket. It's tough. I'm going to go with Indiana, I do believe, and I'm going to roll. No, I'm not Indiana. Sorry, I misspoke. I'm going Virginia Tech, and then I'm also going with – my app is struggling right now. Sorry, I, I, I can't see the bracket very well. Um. LSU, sorry. So I got South Carolina, LSU, um, Iowa, and Virginia Tech. And if I had to choose a national champion, give me Virginia Tech. Yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, no, I, actually, I, I want to be right, and I also want to get the next-gen curse in here. So I'm going to go with the Gamecocks. Yeah, I don't think the next-gen curse has a chance at touching the Gamecocks. Um, listen, got to agree, first off. Appreciate the love from from the Clemson man himself showing some love to the Gamecocks. Um, for for my final four, I'm gonna go South Carolina, and then I'm gonna go Iowa, and then Virginia Tech, and I'm gonna go Villanova. I'm gonna go Nova. They made a deep run in the in the uh, the Big East tournament, and I feel like if they can get past Indiana, they definitely can get past Utah and LSU. So I'm gonna go Nova, and then um, I'm gonna go Tech South Carolina national championship with uh, South Carolina getting the win. Um, um, I'm also gonna go out on the record and say fully expect South Carolina to win by double digits every game. So uh, just gonna put that out there. I just don't think that anybody can touch the South Carolina team. I just think that they're Everybody is is kind of at that 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 certain mile mark in in this area, and then South Carolina is way up there. And I just I don't think anybody's going to be able to touch them. They're they're just a well powered machine out here in Columbia, and um, being able to be in Greenville as well throughout the the beginning of the tournament, I think is going to really help them. Yeah, uh, the truth of the matter is, in the women's bracket, um, there's not as many upsets. A lot of times, the higher seeds take take advantage of being the higher seed and they have the easier path and they take advantage of it. You, you, a lot of times you'll see um, one through three making deep runs uh, in, in each quadrant. And um, that's something that you, that you can usually expect in the women's bracket. And this, this year in South Carolina's quadrant, it feels different. Um, even in the years that UConn was just rolling through teams and winning national championships year after year, it felt like um, – it always seemed like they still had a chance of getting upset. You know, maybe it was Stanford, maybe it was Mississippi State, maybe it was Notre Dame, depending on the year. Um, I look at this bracket, and I would be more surprised if South Carolina lost a game than if they didn't. And that's just it's it's ridiculous to say. Um, in the in the men's side of things, 
even with the best teams in the country, you know, I look, I look top to bottom and I could say any of these teams could lose. Um, Bama could lose and I wouldn't be necessarily shocked that they're the best team in the country, but they could still lose a game. The South Carolina team, I'm going to keep talking about it because I hope they lose a game. Um, but I, I really, I really don't, um, I just, I don't see them losing. They're, they're incredibly, incredibly good. It's going to be a historic season regardless of how it finishes. But I know you and a whole host of Gamecock fans are hoping that it finishes with the, uh, the ultimate prize national championship. Oh, definitely. There's a, there's a buzz in Columbia and, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this team to go back to back. They've, um, they've been just unbelievable all year long. They've had a lot of fun. Um, I know that the, a lot of the girls are, are around campus and they're, they're not hard to find and they're always just enjoying life. They're smiling they're, uh They're enjoying it. They've got the fan base behind them. Um, I think that this is a, a South Carolina team destined for an undefeated year. And, um, you know, I know that they're going to have all the support in the world from behind them from here in Columbia. Um, and the same goes for my Virginia Tech Hokies as well. I'm I'm torn. I'm torn. Uh, being in that national championship game, I'll wear a South Carolina hat and a Virginia Tech shirt because I just I can't lose anyways. Either way, I can't lose. But uh, definitely going to be excited for that. Um, Thomas and I will do a women's bracket as well. We will be posting that as well. Um, we'll, uh, kind of wait and see, um, when those get out, they'll probably be about the same time on Wednesday. If I had to guess, just because, um, just that's easier for us. Um, so we would love to see yours, uh, and see if you guys are thinking South Carolina is going to win. And if not, who do you think is going to win? Who's going to beat this South Carolina women's Gamecocks team guys. That is going to do it for the show today. So before we move on, we're going to get into just a little bit of admin work. Uh, first off, we really, really appreciate the love the last episode got. Um, it has reached over 20 listens, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when uh, about two weeks ago, we weren't even hardly getting to 10. So we really appreciate the love uh, and the support for that. We have reached over 500 listens for the podcast overall. Uh, we really cannot stress enough how thankful we are for you guys uh, continuing to show the love week in and week out for the podcast. So you might be thinking, okay, so Thursday it's going to come out. Nope, actually that's not true. We're going to be coming out Friday night. Um, we're going to wait until the very, very end of the first round of matchups for the men's division to do an episode so we can kind of give you a round one breakdown. And then that will mean that that Sunday night, Monday morning area is when the next round of games will finish. So that's when the next episode will come out. So you can kind of expect as the tournament progresses that we kind of go with how it goes. So we'll do um, a podcast episode at the end of each round or, or as close to the end of the round as we can do it. Uh, we, we're not going to wait until 1 a.m. to record, but we are going to uh, give it as many games that can get out of the way as possible. We'll be breaking down upsets, kind of seeing who's playing well, who's not playing well. Um, obviously, once our brackets are in, you can't change them, but we will be kind of running a game-by-game um, um, uh, -game bracket, so, so to speak. So be on the lookout for that. I know Thomas and I are, are very, very excited about that as well. Yeah, it's the, it's the best time of the year. Um it, this is what we waited for all year for college basketball. You know, we've been covering it since, since November, really, and it's just it's the best time of the year um, for, for college sports. So um, for, for the next few weeks, we're going to be all in on this this college basketball thing and, and just covering it the best we can. And um, 
yeah, I second everything Trotter said. Thanks you guys for all the support and just keep, go along for the ride for this uh, this this month. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be crazy. Uh, there's going to be content coming out every single day. So what does that mean? That means you're going to want to go follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore a t h. That is on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore a t h. You can also follow us on Instagram at next underscore gen underscore athletics. Uh, the Twitter will definitely be the most active of the two, the Instagram is more for just updating you when episodes come out. So uh, you're definitely going to want to be on Twitter and following us so that you can stay up to date on all the news from the tournaments, pick um, winners and losers from uh, who we have as well. Yeah, and also uh, don't forget about the Facebook. We have the page, Next Gen Athletics. You can find us on Facebook. We also have a group now, Next Gen Athletics. Um, the group right now, we're not crazy active in it. Um, I'm kind of hoping that can be more of a community thing. Um, we need some more members before we can start taking off over there. But um, that can be a spot where you guys give us your thoughts. Um, tell us what you want us to talk about on the podcast. You know, maybe just talk to other listeners about uh, certain games. It's just a – it's really just a group to talk about college sports as a whole. Um, and it just happens to be run by Next Gen Athletics. So uh, you can find us on – Facebook at Next Gen Athletics, or yeah, Next Gen Athletics is the is the page, and then the group is Next Gen Athletics Club. Uh, that was the best way to do it, and so that is that's how you can find us on Facebook. Um, and that's, like I said, we'll be more active as that, that as that grows. That's right. We are uh, squad rolls hard here at Next Gen Athletics, so you're gonna want to definitely be a part of that. Um, I know Thomas and I are going to be active on there. So if you guys want to hear our thoughts, like as games are going on. And we're like, hey, listen, so just heard about the, the you know, Duke or Roberts matchup. Like, this is the news that's coming out of there. You guys are going to want to watch that. Make sure you keep an eye on that. We'll be uh, updating that as the tournament goes. Um, I will say this is just going to be a crazy week. It's going to be a crazy next couple weeks. So uh, I know Thomas and I are really, really excited for it. I know you guys are as well. Uh, and we will keep you as updated on everything as we physically can over the next couple of weeks for both the men and the women. I'm your host, Trotter Scares. And as always, Thomas Woods is my awesome, wonderful co-host. We are Next Gen Athletics and have a great week. And we will talk to you guys on Friday night.